Hello, you're listening to the Stay Whole podcast. I'm Sanjay, your host. My aim is to help you demystify the world of health and wellness using evidence-based lifestyle interventions that will enable you to live happier, healthier, and more productive lives. This revolves around three key principles, eat, live, and move. Never has the time been right to start increasing your physical activity levels. The warmer days and longer evenings make it the perfect time to take long walks or go out for a run or a cycle. We all know that physical activity is good for us, but do we know why? How much do we need to do in order for it to be effective? Personal trainers and gyms are not everyone's cup of tea, but what else can we do if that's the case? This week's guest is the perfect person to answer those plus many other questions. Dr. Joseph Godden is a foundation year two doctor who holds a BSc in sports and exercise medicine and is a qualified level three personal trainer and the founder of The Fit Life Doctor. He has a strong interest in physical activity, nutrition and lifestyle medicine and its importance in the primary prevention of illness. Very rarely do you come across a doctor who is also qualified as a personal trainer so I was delighted when Joe agreed to come onto the podcast. It's great to see a new generation of medical professionals broadening their understanding of health. It will only strengthen the medical care that we all received. Dr. Joe was a pleasure to interview and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Perfect. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much for joining me on the Stay Whole podcast. Uh, it's, I had a, had a great chat with you the first time around, so I'm looking forward to having it recorded uh, uh, this time around. So give us, a, give us a quick introduction as to who you are and, and what you do. Thanks, Sanjay. Um, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so yeah, I'm currently a junior doctor working at NHS. I'm a foundation year two doctor. So I've been working for almost two years now. Um, just quick description of my job role for people who don't really understand how that foundation year works. You kind of rotate every four months through different specialties to just get a general feel of things. And at the moment, I'm working in an outpatient psychiatry setting. Great. So you get to try out all the different rotations on the, on different different sort of specialist areas, and, and you get a taste for what what happens in those in those areas. Exactly. They they try they they try and move you around, get you a bit of general experience throughout all the different specialties, um, just to make you a bit more well rounded and give you a bit more experience. Um, although in the last two years, that has been a bit. Uh, challenged by the whole global <laughs> pandemic <laughs> yeah i'm sure did that that must have thrown did that throw kind of what you had planned in terms of what you might have gone on to do i mean how did that affect what your sort of where this this foundation year uh would, would have planned out yeah so luckily for me you're meant to have six different jobs um most people didn't rotate to some specialties um so i ended up doing five of my six um and spent eight months in one job which isn't a bad thing to be fair it just gives you a bit more experience but you know pe- people were just sent where they were needed during the midst of the pandemic yeah so it was a, it was a baptism baptism of fire in, in that sense i mean and i'm sure i did you know I remember at the time here reading about junior doctors being thrown in the, the sort of deep end and there was a little you know it was oh god how, how that must be but i guess you know that's just you've got to be prepared for that when it when it comes to healthcare but uh, yeah it was it must have been a, a tough time for, for everyone involved yeah i mean there's, yeah there's no doubting it, it was a tough and stressful time but you know i think a lot of a lot of doctors and all nhs staff have a lot of uh resilience and you know 
always up for a challenge yeah. as difficult as it may be but yeah. yeah and we need people like that my wife my wife works in the nhs and she's in the hospital and, and she works in intensive care and i just say oh, to, wow. I, I say to her all the time i said you know if if we i cannot believe there are, we've got so many people like you out there because it's not something you know it's, it's just not something i would align to but you know the fact that we have so many people like that is is, is a testament to this country and to the to the nhs itself so i think it's just wonderful mm, def- definitely definitely yeah i agree with you there what um just kind of kind of thinking about the motivation what motivated you to go in to choose medicine as a, as a career what was was there a what was the backstory there yeah that's that's a good question and um i get asked it quite a lot and it just takes me back to like interview days <laughs> eight years ago now <laughs> um but i mean I've, I've i think going back it's always kind of a career that was always quite respected and you'd watch kind of medical shows growing up and you think, oh, that's that's a cool job. And, you know, in school, I've, I always had a kind of profound interest in the sciences. And I thought, you know, what can I see myself doing? What do I enjoy doing? And, you know, being a doctor just kind of stood out amongst all the other careers in that field. Um, and of course, you know, there's so much value in helping other people. It's quite a rewarding job. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's cliche, but that is the main driving factor um, or kind of the foundation. And every, every, everyone brings some, something different to the table. But I think everyone can agree who works in, you know, that field that it's just the, the reward of helping others. Um, and again, being a doctor, it, it kind of puts you in a, in a leadership role when you're at work. Obviously, you work in a team and uh, everyone contributes. But that was kind of another thing I uh, quite appealed to me so the idea of actually getting involved in and, and getting it being exposed to you know having leadership you know skills and, and, and that's something you actually thought about and that's interesting yeah yeah um yeah yeah because it's just not something that i would typically think someone again you know at that age might be thinking that far ahead in terms of thinking about those skills so it's obviously something that was important to you there were some values there which were important and yeah i think you're right in terms of the wanting to help it is a cliche but i think it's so true isn't it and you know part of the reason why i gave up a career in the city you know to to do to do this and to work in in diabetes prevention is part of that it's just that 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 giving back to people and, and helping people without without necessarily getting an immediate um you know financial reward for it i mean you know lots of people do lots of things and, and we get they get paid for it and you know that we're not saying that nobody needs to earn money but there's, there's there's something different about you know giving back to people who really need uh, the support and the help and then and that just gives you some sort of satisfaction and yeah, it gives you some sort of purpose as well i guess in life yeah definitely i think um you know, people say everyone should try and contribute more than they take away from society. And, you know, that's making a positive impact. So I guess it's kind of thinking like that in the back of your mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you specifically um, is the fact that I wanted to sort of learn more about your sort of junior doctor's story and, and, and how you've come to, to where you are now. Um, but m- more, more interestingly, um, you're not just a doctor. <laughs> so tell us about tell us about your uh, your other life doctor <laughs> i mean so so yeah i i think a year it's probably about a year ago one one year ago almost one and a half years ago that i kind of realized after kind of six years of medical school and working in the field that you know we're, we're taught so much on how to treat illness once it comes through the hospital doors you know we we come across all these patients who have all these chronic illnesses and some of them you know it's genetic it's hereditary uh, but a lot is don't want to say self-induced but 
there are lots of modifiable risk factors that um, people have that can reduce their risk of illness. And after working for kind of six months, I realized everyone coming in through the door has the same risk factors, you know, smokers, um, overweight, high blood pressure, um, raised cholesterol. And you start to realize that, you know, we're almost patching people up in hospital and send them, sending them on their way. So, you know, last year I decided that, you know, how, how could I make more of a difference to people outside of hospital whilst kind of maintaining my role? And I thought, why not um, train to be a personal trainer? So, <laughs> yeah, so why not? Um, it's in line with all my hobbies outside of work. And so that's what I, that's what I did. Um, I decided to, to take the relevant courses and exams. And now I'm a qualified personal trainer as well. Excellent. So you're the, the PT doctor. And it, it, obviously, this was something that you, you mentioned as a hobby, as a passion. You've obviously been, you've been, a, you've been training your, your whole life and it's something that you're passionate about. So it wasn't a, a difficult step to make. But the fact that, again, you link in it to what you're seeing on a day-to-day basis, you know, in hospital. And you mentioned some of those risk factors. And as a, as a personal trainer myself, when I've spoken to people who've come to me and you know you go through these sorts of basic health questions and you're right you do see those things smoking you know high blood pressure obesity uh, very common and uh, and i've always thought in, in the same way that you just said it in slightly different is that okay that's fine but where where is this coming from where is the root cause and you mentioned you know you use the term patching people up in, in hospital it's it's you know you give someone a, a tablet for blood pressure well, yes, it may bring the blood pressure down, but what's actually caused it to rise in the first place? Can we can we can we tackle that? And what I found through just anecdotally, you know, and I wasn't you know wasn't really thinking along these lines, was when people start exercising, you know, in a gym environment or, or however. I mean, that's just what I was exposed to. We see these markers come down, and I didn't really link anything. You know, obviously, the, I, I understand the science behind it. I understand you know that physical activity can do it, but when you actually see it in 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 the flesh, and then your clients report back to you. Hey, guess what? My doctor's decided he's saying he, he's worried and he's dropping my my blood pressure medication because it's my blood pressure is now too low. <laughs> yeah. When you get stories like that, you think, "Wow, okay, this stuff this stuff really works." This there's there's it's not people are not just saying, "Hey, go and exercise; it, it's, it's good for you." It, it, it's real. This is this is this is this is how it works, right? Um, so the fact that you've come from, come at it from that angle is is interesting, uh, and and now as you said, you're you're able to help people in, in other ways, which is which is fantastic. A hundred percent, and like you said, it's it it's my co- kind of hobby outside of medicine. Um, but I think it's also worth you know, whilst I have you, just make a point that you know, medical students aren't aren't taught about um, exercise and nutrition um, a great deal at all in medical school. In the last maybe couple of years, there's been a push to push you know this into the curriculum of all medical schools around the country, but it's still quite poor. I mean, obviously, there's an importance in teaching you know medical students how to be good doctors i'm not going to take away from that but i think it's just as important to teach you know the lifestyle medicine aspect of things teach how to get patients to eat healthily how to get them to move more and exercise um so that just needs that's a change on a kind of uh medical school level that needs to happen as well yeah, and it's it's not uncommon, is it? I mean, I've I've heard this from my my father and my parents before. You know, they've come back from the doctor, and you know, the doctor's advice has been, look, you need to you need to try to eat a little bit healthier, and you need to do some exercise. 
and you know, <laughs> and, and that's it, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I'm actually, I've said to my, I said, I remember years ago, I said, you know, well, have you asked them what, what type of exercise? You know, what should you do? You know, and they're asking me because obviously this is what I do. But I've I've, I've been interested to know because I didn't, I wasn't aware of that until very recently in the last few years that actually there's very little physical activity educate education as part of you know medical school and nutrition as well i guess is another one which i've i've learned to, to to understand as well there's very little understanding on that yet that's something a doctor would always say to people hey you know you need to eat a healthier diet and it all makes sense but um yeah there definitely needs to be a change there so what i'm interested to know from from my perspective as a personal trainer who hasn't become a doctor so i haven't gone the other way <laughs> <laughs> but um when having you know i i imagine medical school is quite intense there's a lot of you know physiology physiology human biology you, know, you go really deep into the systems of the body and how it works so um was there were there things that you learn on the it's level three pt qualification that you've done on that level three pt qualification which look let's let's be frank it's 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 a it's a good qualification you can obviously build on that but it's just a foundation anyone can go and, and, and learn it and do it it's very practical but were there things that you learned there that you hadn't learned in medical school and you know that, that actually you thought oh wow okay this is qu quite cool i didn't think of this or i didn't know this because of my my education Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, definitely. You, there's a lot of physiology in the level three um, PT qualification, and that was quite straightforward. Um, to be honest, we, we go in more depth than medical school, um, and that's probably something you'd, you'd, you'd want to hear, anyways. Um, but the 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 stuff that was interesting to me is it goes a lot into training systems and how to train so that um just broadening my knowledge on that learning about advanced training systems and you know how to train in different ways so that was one aspect of it in kind of the practical application of training but the the, the bit i kind of appreciated the most and where i learned the most was kind of the the goal setting and how to actually motivate people to change in a, on a practical level with you know a one-to-one -one setting um they go through goal setting right now goals um planning long-term short-term medium goals how to motivate people to change how to monitor change how to monitor progress all kind of objective measures um that people can write down on how they're improving their physical health because like you said in medical school we just learn move more eat less out, out the door but the course really showed you how you can apply that on an individual level rather than kind of a population level and make a direct change to an individual so yeah it's interesting that you say that so what you're what i'm hearing is you're, you're what you learned from that program was more about behavior change instilling new habits because look, if someone wants to get fit someone wants to change their diet it all comes down to behavior change it comes down to instilling new you know helpful habits and, and replacing ones that may be not so helpful so it's actually that part of it and and, and working with someone because of course as a personal trainer you're, you potentially are going to work with someone over a number of sessions over a number of weeks over a number of months now of course you do that as a doctor but it's it's much more sporadic than that right you and also let's not forget that you're only got you've only got 10 minutes or seven yeah. minutes or you know the number keeps going down every time i speak to a new doctor but um, you know or in the gp setting anyway yeah so it's that behavior change piece which you know uh, again i think it's certainly probably is included in some way shape or form in in medical school but it's very much a part of 
you know, being a trainer, you know, working with people in that setting uh, and, you know, helping them to, to get those results, um, which is, which is ultimately what they're coming to a trainer for. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's, you mentioned the 10 minute consultations and at the GP level, that's incredibly true. And even in hospitals as a consultant, you go on a ward round and spend arguably even less than 10 minutes with each patient. So I think it's quite important that on a junior doctor level where you have a bit more freedom to spend a bit more time with patients and you can go back to patients when you have a bit of extra time in the day to actually put the time in and talk to them and you know actually explore these issues um, with individuals uh, in, in a work setting, uh, which is something we, 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 don't, we don't do. If I'm being frank, we don't, we don't talk about this at work often. Yeah, it's yeah, but but yeah. So I mean, I, I think I think this 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 wave is changing. There's a new wave coming. There's lifestyle medicine. There's lifestyle medicine diplomas and add-ons, and, and and we're seeing more and more of this education coming. So I think it's only a matter of time before doctors are coming out with a much more rounded understanding of of wellness. You know, which it's, it's health is is not just you know being disease free is it it's about overall wellness and, and that includes mental health that includes you know, what's happening in our personal lives that includes physical it's a combination of things so i think that's, that's certainly a, a change that is, is very much welcome um so i want to get onto this idea of, of, of movement physical activity so when a doctor does say to someone you know hey you need to you know we, we'll leave the nutrition conversation for another day but you know you need to change your diet and you need to you need to be, be more active or you know do more yeah. exercise you know what what exactly, you know, are we talking about when we're talking about, you know, when a doctor's asking you to, someone to be active? Are they, are they seriously expecting everyone to join gyms? I mean, where, you know, now that you've having stepped into that role of, of physical activity, what what's your take on that? So, you know, we're told to like, regurgitate that sentence, be active and go do stuff. But if you actually look at the guidelines, there's actually a fairly robust and um, robust set of guidelines that say, what every individual in the country should be aiming towards. So um, I think every physician prescriber should know these guidelines, but essentially for adults um, aged 19 to 64, 65, the government says everyone should aim for at least 150 minutes of physical activity in one week. And we should try and do it for at least 10 minutes as a, kind of as a minimum in each session we do, which isn't a lot of activity to think about it. But the nice thing about the research here is they say aim for at least 150 minutes, but even if you do less, there's still health benefit. So it's not, you know, telling the most sedentary person to go out for two and a half hours. You can start small and start low and, you know, build up slowly. So, you know, that is kind of the minimum goal, 150 minutes a week of cardiovascular exercise. And a nice thing as well is they, they, they consider cardiovascular, but they also talk about strength training. They say every adult should endeavor to strength train twice a week. And that doesn't mean, you know, go to the gym and bench <laughs> or deadlift or squat or do something that you don't particularly enjoy. This could be anything. They even say carrying heavy shopping bags. If you can do that at least twice a week for you know, a significant amount of time, it's something. So they're quite um, liberal in what they say you can do, which I think is good because not every form of exercise is the best for each individual. And it's hard to make generalizing comments. Um, you know, you and I like going to the gym, but it would be, isn't it? Would be you know, you can't tell everyone to go to the gym. It's not everyone's cup of tea. 
So 150 minutes uh, of physical activity over the course of the week. Um, if we divide that by seven, it's roughly 21. Yeah, so we're looking at 21 minutes of physical activity each day, which, you know, uh, you know everyone's life is different. Some people, to some people, that's a large chunk of time and I don't have time. And, and, you know, as you quite rightly said, it can be broken down into smaller bite-sized chunks. So we don't, we don't, we're not expecting, the guys aren't expecting everyone to have that 20-minute block available to you. Um, but if we can find a few minutes in our day and, and we can accumulate this time and i think this is something also where the where the gym sort of the gym culture or the fitness culture kind of we have this i don't know where this has come from it's probably come from the fitness industry at some point in time but we have this idea of an hour right yeah go to the gym and it's like oh i'm going to be here for an hour like an exercise class is an hour it's like i don't know where that started or where that came from and i think recently it's changed where people go no we can we can make more money if we charge for half an hour and (laughs) with the express classes and all this stuff anyway but um so yeah it's it's, we're not talking about a big chunk of time here are we and let's just talk about you mentioned we'll talk about strength training for sure definitely going to get into that but that 150 minutes you mentioned cardiovascular activity so what what would count as physical activity because if we're thinking of if we'd say cardiovascular activity automatically people's minds are going towards running cycling swimming rowing you know that who those that are exercise minded but for those that are not what what constitutes as this this physical activity of 150 minutes that they can do so on kind of a physiological physiological level anything that will raise your heart rate so when we talk about the 150 minutes activity they actually specify you know moderate intensity and um they actually have a long list of, of exercises which they class as moderate intensity and vigorous intensity. I haven't got the list in front of me now, but from memory, um, it's not you know the easiest of exercise, but walking briskly counts as moderate. Um, gardening, that might even be vigorous, to be honest, because if, you, if you're gardening properly your hands and knees, <laughs> it, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough work. Um, but literally any exercise that gets your heart rate up, so walking briskly, um, obviously all the cardiovascular typical exercises, running, swimming, uh, cycling, those all do it. Um, dancing, anything that gets your heart rate up uh, counts. So you know, people have the freedom to do the activities that they enjoy. And and you know you mentioned you mentioned walking brisk walking and a lot of people over the lockdown have you know started walking because there was not a lot to do and you were only allowed out for exercise and people are like what, what I don't know how to exercise well walking is exercise I'll go and do that um, and and yeah I think it it, it, it and the idea and the, you, I'm glad you mentioned that intensity level as well that moderate intensity and yeah the heart rate needs to come up that breathing rate needs to come up and I, I don't know if you've used this but I use something called the talk test you know how do how does one know if I'm working at a moderate intensity well if we're looking Looking at uh, on the sort of the the RPE scale, um, it's you know four to six out of out of ten. Yeah. But again, that's quite hard to put into to practicality. So if we use the talk test, is you should be able to talk and hold a very short conversation, um, uh, but not sing. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. If, yeah. you, if you can sing while you're doing your activity, you're not working hard enough, basically. But if you can talk and you know you'll feel it. You maybe a brisk walk's a great example, right? You're walking with a friend, you're going for a brisk walk, and you know your breathing's starting to you know become a little bit like that. But you're okay. You can carry on for another you know ten fifteen minutes, and, and you're good to go. Um, so I like that idea. And yeah, you mentioned a few activities there, but walking, climbing stairs, going up and down stairs once in a while, you know, um, you know, take, not taking the lift, just trying to find these. And I and then something I try to just ask people to find moments in your day that don't need to be, you know, exercise. If we look at the ex- definition of exercise, which we actually do, it's something that's structured, it's planned, it's repetitive. And the purpose is to um, improve one or more components of your fitness. Well, 
planned instructors is great if you have that kind of lifestyle but if you can find pockets in your day where they're not planned instructors like oh you know what i normally get the lift i'm going to just quickly run up run again your ability level is going to dictate how what you do here but i'm just quickly run up the stairs you know a couple of times or instead of taking the lift or i'm gonna you know get off this bus stop early and and walk the rest of the way home today because it's a nice day those sorts of pockets where you can find easily uh, that you might just throw away in your day um, that's they're really good ways to try and you know incorporate that physical activity into your life yeah I, I completely agree with that definitely and and sometimes when people decide to make that change and they take the stairs up two floors instead of the lift they realize how unfit they are <laughs> yes. and they're more motivated to make a change and I, I think you know every opportunity like that you know it, if you can force yourself convince yourself to take that opportunity to just use you know a bit more energy a bit more physical activity to get to get from a to b um i definitely support that um personally in the last kind of six months with the lockdown i've been running and cycling from a to b um instead of taking the bus or the tube just you know for for the sake of public health and also my own health sure yeah 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 so it's uh, yeah and, and i think everyone's kind of looked at i've certainly done the same or looked at where can i you know improve what i'm doing and use the car less and use public transport less and so that's you know that there's, there's these are different ways we need to think outside the box here when we talk about being active it's not just about going to the gym um talking about you know when we when, when we're saying being physically active is good for us we, we've heard it's good for us but i guess you know what we're really saying here is we need to spend less time in sedentary behaviors so if we think of you know what what sedentary is sedentary is where we're long periods of sitting where we're not burning a lot of energy um so can we go into some just in in, in sort of a a surface level what's actually happening when we are sedentary why is that why is that so bad for us i mean you know we hear it all the time but maybe people are not clear on as to what's happening when we you know expose ourselves to these behaviors over a long period of time Sure, definitely. I mean, if you, if you, I guess if the best place to start is looking at what the, what the evidence shows. If you, if you look at studies, they're not, there aren't many studies on looking at kind of sedentary individuals and how being sedentary affects them. But some of the studies I like to look at go to the extreme, which I don't think is unfair, is when you look at bed rest. So the extreme version of sedentary. So you can compare it to lying in bed watching Netflix all day or being unwell in a hospital bed. And in these individuals, um, in about a one uh, one week period, they lose kind of ten, approximately ten percent of their uh, muscle mass in one week, and you know that results in a host of kind of increased risks look going forward. But the reason that you know the sedentary, sedentary individuals lose their muscle mass is because you know to make to for the body to keep muscle, it's it's difficult. People say muscle burns more calories than fat, and that's true. So if the body senses that you're not using your muscle, it's going to break it down and get rid of it. And why is this bad? Um, so from from our point of view, it it, it makes you weaker. First of all, um, you get deconditioned. Simple tasks become more difficult, and as a result, the heart muscles get weaker. The body gets weaker. And on a day-to-day basis, you know, people are likely to cope with this. Um, you see lots of sedentary people um, every day, and you know they're not overtly complaining of any health problems. They might get a bit more out of breath when walking, or find everyday tasks a bit more difficult. But then this then leads to further 
illness and comorbidity. So this can progress on to um, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, and even though low muscle mass, or we, we call it sarcopenia in medical terms, um, isn't kind of a bad thing alone, but in combination with all the other risk factors and their increased risk of injury and falling and disability, it's just, you know, the way I view it from a medical point of view, just a massive strain on medical resources because these individuals will get unwell and eventually will, you know, come into hospital quite profoundly unwell. It's a, it's a classic example, uh, sarcopenia is a classic example of if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. And that's exactly what's happening here is, and you mentioned it there, you pointed to it, the brain, you know, we recognize, Hey, you're not using your muscle. You're sat down all the time. So, and it's expensive for the body to maintain muscle from an energy perspective, because it's exactly. you know, it, having more muscle mass raises your metabolism. So your body's going to waste it away. So we, we, we only, we, we, we lower our metabolism by doing that. And as you mentioned there, yeah, it's not something that you necessarily feel straight away because let's face it, the human body is amazing at dealing with everything that we throw at it. Right. If we're sedentary, it will figure out a way to let us continue doing the things that we do. If we eat too much, it's going to figure out a way to store it so we can just continue to do what we're doing. You know, you, eat, you, know, you have high blood glucose, you, your body flushes some of it out through your urine. There's so, there's so many point, examples we could point to. And being sedentary is just one of those that you may not, you know, may not be a smoker. You may you know, have a relatively okay-ish diet and all you're doing is being sedentary. But yeah, at some point in time, that is going to lead to some kind of problem. And it usually manifests, you know, a lot of times with, as you mentioned heart disease you know, people just suddenly you know realize that they go to the doctor and the doctor says you know you have got progressed heart disease and and this can be be a problem it can be um a number of other different things as well type 2 diabetes we know you know if sedentary sedentary behaviors increase our chances of insulin resistance uh, the more fat cells that we have on our body as well so sedentary and overweight together um and these are things that you know as you quite rightly said are things that are preventable things that we can we are responsible for as as you know if it's happening on our body it's something we can stop from happening just by taking you know that we talked about that guidance at 150 minutes and, and just or starting somewhere um just to break up our day because if we think about and, and this is the way I like to understand it is, you know, as human beings, as animals, we were designed to to move. We were designed to be on the move all of the time. And technology is a wonderful thing. And look, we're sitting here talking to each other through this screen and it's great. I can see you and hear you because of technology. But yeah. It has taken away a lot of the the movement that we naturally did as we evolved. Yeah. And you know, we, we talked about kind of being sedentary leads to X, Y, Z and some people are motivated by, I don't want to say fear, but the fear of X, Y, Z illness. But, you know, those are kind of long-term sequelae of being sedentary. Whereas in the short term, just by being active, you can tell people, you know, you'll feel better, you'll sleep better, um, tasks you found difficult will become easier, your mood will improve, your stress will get better. It's a healthy coping me mechanism. And I think these are the things that most people once they start exercising, they notice sooner, and that's what motivates them to continue exercising. Um, I don't know if it's probably the same for you. You know, when when we exercise, we kind of feel the short term benefits. You, you just feel better for it. I'm not thinking when I'm in the gym, I'm reducing my risk of bowel cancer. <laughs> you know, by doing this set. You know, that, that, that that's the long term stuff, which is the added benefit, which we know. But it's the short term and medium term improvements that i think you know help people adhere to the to, uh, 
being active. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, you're absolutely right. And look, yeah, uh, you're abs- I think it's so true that you all there's always that short term gain. There's always that short term boost. And you know, and, and I, we know, and I certainly know in my case. I'm not speaking for anyone else here. When I haven't worked out, or when I haven't been for my morning run or, or my morning stretch, if I've missed it. I I notice it. I'm like, oh, why, why am I feeling this way today? Ah, oh, right, that's why, because I didn't do my movement. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's that short-term gain. And I always say this, look, if, if people ask a question, you know, and they, oh, how much should I be doing? How much time? How much intensity? I said, look, just go out and do the thing, right? Just go out and do it and just come back and just see how you feel. Write it down. Because that's going to be more important than how many steps you took and how, what intensity, what level was it? What did your Apple Watch tell you? That how many rings did you fill out? All of that stuff is is superficial. If you do the thing and you feel better, do more of the thing. Right? It's, if, you, if, if you did it and it didn't hurt you, you didn't didn't break anything. Carry on doing it. And I think if you can just build on that as your motivation, you know what that thing I did that thing, walking, running, dancing, whatever it is, it made me feel good. I'll just do more of it. Uh, and yeah. I think that's that's as powerful as you can get. I, I uh, 100% agree. I think people tend to overcomplicate things. Um, and th- you know, th- there's there's a time and place for the science and breaking it down to, you know, the actual, you know, minute details. But at the end of the day, I completely agree with you. You know, if you enjoy doing it, just go out and, and do it and do it a bit more. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is, right? Like you said, it doesn't have to be any of these sort of the stuff that we love doing and because it's very structured in the gym and, you know, that's fine. But if it's walking, if it's gardening, if it's dancing, if it's it's whatever. And and I think this is just, again, anecdotally what I've discovered over this lockdown when I've been speaking to people who have engaged, just even just people in my immediate family and friends and who were not active before this. Oh, you know, we started going forks and then suddenly I see on Instagram, they're posting pictures of trees and countryside and canals and, and their, 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 their life, their they're reporting back so their life's been transformed just because they started going out for these walks so um and you know we we are we the the benefits come pretty quickly that that that, that, you mentioned those shorts and benefits and that's the thing i think people sometimes have this misconception that oh i gotta do i gotta keep doing it and i gotta wait for the you know so it's a long game which it is there is there is an element to that but you can notice some of the benefits very relatively quickly as well yeah yeah you have to definitely in if you enjoy it in the present and not worry too much about the future, that that will all fall into place. You just need, you just need to get started, do what you enjoy, and as you spend more time doing it, you'll start, you know, branching out slowly, finding out, you know, doing a bit more research into X, Y, Z, you know, tweaking your training in in whatever way. And that's that's how the way everyone starts really, and that, then you'll develop your own interests and and hobbies and you know pursue that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, so there's the 150 minutes we talked about of, of cardiovascular activity, moderate intensity, you know, get your heart rate up, get your breathing level up. You should be able to talk, but not sing. Yeah. And then you can just, just, that is, that's, you know, that's and the evidence is clear. There's the studies are there that shows that that amount of, of activity. And as you mentioned, even slightly less, we are getting all the benefits that we, we associate with being physically active uh, as well. Um, let's talk about the strength training piece. Cause I think this is, and, and I'm glad that this guidance actually from my, from my understanding was only changed in 2019. So September 2019, so not that long ago, right? A couple of years. So this yeah. is where we include twice a week, do some kind of strength training, and 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 you know we, we can go. We'll go into that. Um, why? Let's just let's talk about the why first, because that's probably on, on a lot of people's lips. Why is strength training so important for for everybody? Uh, oh, a million reasons. <laughs> Don't know where to start. I mean, 
strength training is important because it builds up your muscle mass. So um, again, it improves kind of uh, your ability to carry out tasks in the first instance by increasing your muscle mass. By increasing, by doing strength training, you increase things like your balance and your proprioception. So this is, you know, important for um, young adults and perhaps even especially important for older individuals who again are at increased risk of falling um strength training and you know exercise in general is also really good for your joints there's a lot of there's a lot of mixed evidence out there saying you know you shouldn't do this because it'll ruin your joints but you know from my own research generally speaking if you work within the limitations of uh your your pain so if your joints are painful then slow down but otherwise you know exercise is good for your joints um I'm just going to keep going here. Another going, thing is going. another thing that you know is really important with strength or resistance training is it's good for your bone density. So you know if you look at older individuals, especially females, um, when they fall over, the the incidence of you know breaking broken hips is really high. And once you break your hip in, in hospital, you know it's got a a very high mortality rate so strength training from as soon as you can will just increase the strength of your bones and reduce the risk of fractures and you know people usually associate losing weight with cardiovascular exercise and nutrition or mainly cardiovascular exercise to be honest but strength training does play a role in weight control as well we talked about briefly earlier how muscles are more metabolically active tissue so they burn slightly more calories it's not you know a, a, a massive factor in weight control but it does play a role and one kind of example you know i like to use is um if you are if you do happen to be unwell and you go into hospital and you're so unwell that you need to go to intensive care, the intensive care consultant or any consultant will look at how much muscle mass you have because they know if you go to that intensive care bed, you will lose all of it by the time you come out. So if you go in with nothing, you know, there's a decent chance you might not come out at all. If you go in there with a good amount of muscle mass, you know, the chances of recovery, it'll be tough, but, you know, you'll have much better chances and to put it in a you know not a horrible way but you know you're more likely to get accepted to that itu bed um if you have more muscle mass wow it's because simply your survival chances are, are higher exactly there's a limited number of beds it's very resource intensive um if they know you're not going to do well and you know they're, they're under strain which we, we've seen in this uh, global pandemic um it's you know it's horrible horrible but difficult decisions do need to be made and if you've been going to the gym and you've got a good level of muscle mass it, it, it affects your prognosis and you know the level of care you will receive to be honest and so that's that's fascinating i wasn't aware of that last last point but i think some of the other things you mentioned to there i think are worth just pointing out again you know bone density that's such an important one because again as a trainer I, and as an instructor i've heard this so many times people coming up to me you know i can't do this exercise sanjay because you know because of my joints or arthritis or osteoporosis which is what you're referring to earlier and look yes there is there there are certain things we shouldn't do you know impact is going to any kind of impact is going to affect those types of conditions where we're jumping up and down running you know is, is a good example of something like that but 
strength training and putting weight through those joints, so weight-bearing exercises uh, through joints, if you have arthritis and osteoporosis, actually helps to encourage bone density growth, right? And then that this, again, this is the evidence is clear here. Uh, or in some cases, there may not be extra growth. There may just be, you maintain what you've already got, so that we're not going to lose anymore. Um, and I think that's a very important factor for people because this is something we, we see more and more of and uh, people shying away from, doing things like lifting heavy bags or, you know, going to the gym or whatever it might be because of, of a fear. And again, it just comes down to if you're not using it, you're going to lose it. Definitely. I mean, that that when, when I hear people are afraid to exercise because of X, Y, and Z injury, um, you know, obviously each individual person is different. But from my experience, most of the time, um, exercise will actually help that condition. They've got back pain. Number one treatment for back pain movement getting out and moving bed rest is the worst thing you can do for it um you know joints that are um arthritic um usually sometimes movement just helps a bit with the lubrication in that joint if you work within you know your limitations and the limitations of the pain it gives you physical activity is beneficial for all these conditions i can't really think of a condition off the top of my head where physical activity will you know impact an individual negatively Everyone has yeah. a can do at least something to 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 to, to be active. Yeah, and like, that's a good point. Actually, we we should have mentioned that when we talked about the 150 minutes. But the, everybody can do something. There's always something we can do. And I think, yeah, you know, we've I've seen and 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 had the privilege of working with people who have been, you know, in, in wheelchairs. I've had seen people, you know, who've ex, ex ex army veterans who've come back with without limbs, and it's phenomenal what you see them that they can do. So there's always something we can focus on. I think for those that have, you know, want to for those that do have mobility issues, have injuries, have things that would otherwise you would think, oh, that's going to stop me from doing these things. Yes, there may be walking, running. They, those traditional things may be off the table for you. However, focus on what you can do because there's always something. There's always something. And I think if you can just be focused on that rather than the, the, the can't do's, then you'll always find something. And again, we'll come back to finding it enjoyable and, and linking it in. But yeah, that, that, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think... And that's why, you know, when we prescribe physical activity to to patients, clients, um, it needs to be individualized, it needs to be tailored. You can't just say, everyone do this program and you'll all make progress. Everyone is unique and everyone needs their own um, specific kind of instru- instruction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just touching on a couple of other points, so the benefits, you know, we talked about, um, you know, metabolic rate your metabolism you know we we can you know you mentioned it's not a huge and you're right it's not a huge difference in terms of you know burning muscle burning more calories but again i i like to think of this in the form of you know tiny habits right and i i use this example before so you know if 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 there's your body we're talking about your bmr right so your bmr is your basal metabolic rate so the number of calories your body is burning when you are at rest so if you just lay down for 24 hours did nothing you'd have a certain number of calories that your body would burn and again that's individual for everyone now someone if we took that same person and put them through um you know a 12 week strength training program and then we measured that same bmr in in 12 weeks or how many weeks it would be what we'd expect to see is a slight increase right so at rest doing nothing doing nothing right that's what we're talking about but doing nothing uh, you would be that person would be burning more calories at rest than they were 12 weeks ago when they didn't have all of that muscle mass now what i say to people is that think of it this way in 12 weeks time you sitting at home watching netflix you're burning more fat than you are today 
you know, it would, it, that's free. That's, you don't have to do anything for it. You just, you can sit there and knowing, Hey, yeah, I'm, Hey, you know, I'm burning more fat than me. I was last month. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. And I think, yes, it may not be a lot, but if it's every day of our lives, we're burning that little bit extra, that will adds up to something. Right. So I do think that, yes, it, it may not seem that much of a big difference on paper, but when you, when you kind of step back a little bit and look at this from a global perspective, a macro perspective, it, it can be quite significant. I, I really like what you said about you know taking a step back, looking at it, uh, like how many for the for from like a, a year's point time, uh, timeline, um, people look for quick fixes. Um, but you know, I think the most important thing is building good habits, good routines. You know, don't overcomplicate it with diet, nutrition, training, sleep, stress, blah blah. blah. Do some strength training for twelve weeks. See how you feel. You will get. You will make an improvement. And over the long term period, you know, you'll learn to develop habits, routines that, you know, will make a positive change in your life for the rest of your life. Um, and whereas, you know, people, generally speaking, look, look, look for the quick fix, look for the, you know, big calorie deficit, uh, the, the huge increase in cardiovascular exercise, um, the fear of strength training, putting on weight, putting on muscle. Yeah. Uh, and, and look, Personal trainers, we, we're, we're to blame for that. The fitness industry is to blame for that because ultimately, ultimately, look, you know, if I if I if my marketing and my my Instagram was all about, hey, I'm a P, I'm a personal trainer, come and train with me, and in two years' time, you you will get this. That's not sexy, right? <laughs> Whereas when I when you turn around and say to someone, hey, you know, abs in thirty days, or you know, beach body in 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 a month, or whatever it might be, you know, that that's what sells. And unfortunately, that's not the reality because you know you're looking at someone, you know, even if you're looking at that person, you, you don't know what they've been doing for the rest of their entire life. They've probably been training for that their entire life, and and for you to come to that expectation or you to be someone to have convinced you that you can achieve that in a very short space of time is, is very misleading. Uh, and, and ultimately it's not what works when we're talking about longevity and, you know, we look talk about sustaining and maintaining these, the, these changes that we make. So, um, yeah, I think it's so important to just take that step back and it's a reality check. And I've all, always been honest with my clients in that way. And I always say, look, if this is what you want in, in this, you know, and I ask them the question, then it's, this is not what you're going to get. You know, this is about a long-term commitment. It's about making those small changes that you can do. I'm more concerned as a trainer, what are you doing? You're seeing me for two hours a week. Well, what are you doing for the other 160 odd hours in, in the, in the week, right? Cause the two hours a week with you and me, I can control or I can not control, but I can guide you to do the things that I want you to do. And I think will be beneficial for you, but it's what you do outside of here. That's going to have the biggest impact on your life. Yeah, I, 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 that's a really good point. And I'm still, I think, you know, I'm, I'm fairly new to the whole personal trainer scene. Um, but I kind of prom promised myself, you know, what I wanted to give to clients is, you know, make them self-sufficient in the long term, make them not need a personal trainer, make them, you know, educate them on kind of the, the foundation, the principles that they no longer need me to train them. And then it's how do you get them motivated during the times you're not seeing them? When you're not there, you know, asking them, training with them, asking about their diet, how do you keep them, how do you make them, get them invested in their own health, I guess, is, is the best way, way of putting it. And that's still something I'm trying to learn how to, how to do. 
Yeah. I mean, that all comes, I mean, the more people you talk to, the more you see, of course, that, that comes with experience as well. But yeah, and, and, and again, you've already, you've already focused on that in, in your learning and, and understood that that's something that is, is a really, you know, that you, you differentiate from the, the medical school to personal training you know, level three. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly something that will, will come with a lot more experience. You, you touched on something there, which is a myth, which I definitely want to touch on. And I, I had something I didn't write down, but you, cause you mentioned, I thought it's worth talking about was, um, this, and, and unfortunately, it's usually females. This this fear of oh, strength training is gonna I'm gonna bulk up. I'm gonna I'm gonna be too heavy. You know, yeah. it's gonna you know. Let, let's let's touch on that. So it's a common thing that we hear, and 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 let's let's get into that. So yeah, um, we can say it straight straight away that's false. But w- w- let's let's talk about it. I, mean, I guess first of all, I personally I, I wish it was true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, same here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I wish it was uh, that easy. Look, I, at dumb, look at a dumbbell and my, my biceps <laughs> swell by an inch. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I wish it was true, but as you know, we both know it. It's it, it's definitely not not true. Um, there are loads loads of factors into that go into strength training and putting on size and mass. And I, I think it's difficult to say how much a role each thing plays, but I think a big part is genetics how much food you're eating and the way you're training. But real, I mean, realistically, you're, I don't have any specific numbers. I wish I wish I did it off the top of my head to say how much mass you can realis- realistically gain in one year and two years and three years. But um, the truth is you won't be putting on tons of muscle mass. Um, you will notice a change in the way your muscles look. And, you know, if you don't you're allowed to not like the way you look. Um, I think, you know, everyone needs to, it's not a great outlook to have, you know, we should be comfortable in our bodies. And, you know, if you're doing physical activity, you know, it's for your health, you know, we should learn to like the way we look. Um, but to, to think that, you know, you'll put on tons of muscle mass in a few months, even a few years is just, you know, physiologically just not, not possible really. The, bo- the body doesn't really work like that. And of course, you get some people with, you know, gifted genetics, one in a million, one in two million, who will put on muscle mass quite quickly. Um, and if you're that person, you, you will definitely know it. But generally speaking, um, I wouldn't say, you know, you gain tons of muscle mass and you look bulky and, um, you know, put a name Arnold Schwarzenegger you won't look like that yeah, <laughs> after yeah. training it's not yeah. Well, yeah so there's there's a number of factors here right if we think about what makes a muscle grow uh, and what are the sort of the ingredients that we need here well there's the type of training which we'll, we'll come on to in a moment there's a, there's how you're doing your strength training you know in terms of sets and reps and and, and, and there's a there's a formula there that works for muscles for to give muscles the biggest potential to grow so there's there's that factor nutrition is a big part you mentioned there you know how much food you eat and i think when you just have to look or re- watch a documentary and and you know l- learn what uh someone like an Arnold Schwarzenegger or these bodybuilders what their diet looks like what the how much food they eat in a day you'll be gobs- you know, most people who gobsmacked oh my god they eat- that's what it takes for muscle to grow you need a lot of energy to help that muscle grow uh, there's of course protein there's a protein requirement there which helps to build you know it's our building blocks for, of uh, 
of the human body. There's that to factor in. And, and uh, this is something I say to, to a lot of the female female clients that I used to have is that you know there's a testosterone factor there as well. Men are susceptible. They just they have more testosterone. Testosterone is a key ingredient in muscle growth, and men just have more of it naturally than women. So you know women who have this fear of of wanting of getting too big, getting too bulky. As you said, if it was if that if it was that easy, then every man would be walking around, you know, looking like that, uh, because that's probably what. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying all men want that, but you know, a certain yeah, a certain population of men do want that, and we see it in on on health health magazines and stuff. What what a physique is, and whether that's healthy or not is a different discussion. But um, yeah, so it's it's not about that. And I always say to people, it's not about being strong to look a certain way. It's about being strong for what you need to do in your life, right? What do you need to be strong for in your day-to-day life? So, you know, think about the things that you have to do and which what what, what what involves strength. So, you know, if I look at my life, for example, you know, and I break it down really simply, I live in a home with a staircase. I need to be able to climb my stairs multiple times in my day. Um, I've got a daughter. Sometimes she falls asleep downstairs. I've got to be able to climb my stairs with my 20 kg daughter on my on my shoulders. You know, so it's look, looking at these types of things in our lives, and if we can just do those things, that will encourage our muscles to to maintain, and we get to use them. Uh, and then, yes, there are other types of training we could do to to keep that that my muscle mass healthy. And I think tw- flipping it from a aesthetic thing, I think, because that's always Strength training is, is often associated with aesthetics, the way we look, uh, with a certain outcome of the way we look. And of course, not everyone is that way inclined. As you said, we should all be comfortable in the way that we look, and that's absolutely fine. But I try to look at it from a wellness, how is it going to improve the quality of your life perspective? You know, our, I certainly... Now, as a father, you know, I'm thinking, God, I need to be able to keep up with this one in, in 10 years' time. And, you know, and hopefully one day when she has grandchildren i want to be the granddad who's you know kicking a football with her and throwing it or who he, him or whoever the grandchild is um you know and doing those things so that's my motivation now is to stay strong is for that you know and something to come so it, i think if we just switch the picture from the fitness industry and, and what we see there to the health and wellness industry i think that can help normalize strength training for a lot of other people yeah that's that's a really good point um and I think everyone has different motivating factors and everyone has to figure out what that is for themselves. And those motivating factors will change throughout your life. And that's completely fair. You'll, you'll have different training goals and aims throughout your whole life. Um, and I think that's what people need to try and figure out for themselves. And, you know, just going, going back to the one point you said earlier, just because it stuck with me when you talk about, you know, seeing what everyone, these huge guys on social media or, you know, historically what they eat, they look at their diets just to get really, you know, muscular and big. And even in that case, there's this whole thing about, you know, bulking and eating loads of food just to get big. But most of the time, all that, all those extra calories, if your body's not geared toward building muscle, will just go towards building fat. So again, it's just, you know, um, essentially o- overeating. Um, we don't need excess fat stores, to be honest. Um, but then you, know, you can also take the argument the other way and look at all the strong men out there who have, you know, a decent amount of body fat, but also lots of muscle. Um, but, you know, we're talking about the general population here, not the uh, extremes. Yeah, because you can, yeah, you, you're right. You, you can pick up, and I remember this when I was a kid, you pick up these magazines and it has all these meal plans and, you know, bulk, you know, these 
protein, high protein meals, put on mass meals. And, and it is a lot of food, you know, you think, and if you're not training in a way that's going to utilize all of that energy and all of that nutrients, then of course, as you, you quite rightly said, you can eat, you can eat all the health, good stuff and call it good stuff it, you, that you want. But if you're not using it, it's going to be stored and, and that's going to be stored as fat. And a lot of it is just marketing, you know, buy this protein product, but you, you don't, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, that most people who go to the gym probably eat more protein than they should just because it's been drilled into them. I, I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. Um, just trying to get as much protein as possible because we think it'll make a difference. But, you know, it's 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 where I can kind of sympathize, empathize with others. You know, it's it's easy to say, look at the research. It's harder to apply it yes, in everyday practice. Yeah, yeah. And look, you kind of alluded to this earlier, and, and and I think it's important to touch on it. And you know, you probably get, you probably have, if not been asked this, you're going to be asked this as a personal trainer. You know, uh, what supplements can I take? And you know, what training gear? And you know, all these little things, all these bells and whistles that, but these shortcuts, as you kind of, they, that's what they're looking for. What can I do to get to my goal faster? What can I, what can I take? What can I, you know, add to my diet? And I think, you know, going back to going back to the basics it's we got to get the fundamentals right you know if we're not doing the basics so if someone's not consistent with their training for example and they're thinking about what supplement can i have or what kind of workout is going to be the best workout for me well at this point in time it's going to be any workout but we got to get the basics right and you know from a nutrition perspective it's very easy you know someone saying to me oh is this a superfood and should i have this bread or that bread i'm like hold a minute are you getting five a day and are you drinking water, two liters of water or six to eight cups of water? Uh, I've heard of that stuff, but I, you know, I'm not consistently doing it. We need to do that. That's, 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 that's like turning up at school on day one and saying, you know, oh, can I just, I don't want to do this school, miss. I want to go to the year four. I want to just jump up four years. <laughs> well, sorry, you can't go up a year until you've passed this year. And this, this, this foundation year is five a day you know, um, and get your water in from a track, from a physical activity perspective, we covered it earlier, 150 minutes of physical activity over the course of the week, moderate intensity, get that, get, be consistent with that. Are you doing something twice a week? That's, you know, involving strength training. Okay. You're doing that. Okay. You, you've ticked that. You're consistently doing that. Okay. Let's try and build on that. What can we, what can we get you to do? That's going to supplement that. And then we can build on that. And we still got to do all that other stuff, right? That all the stuff that that's all the, that's what got us there. That's your foundation. Um, so until you've done that, all the other stuff, it's just, you know, it's at the top of the pyramid, right? It doesn't really have the biggest impact. Um, so yeah. uh, it's something that's interesting to me as well. No, I love everything you just said. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, there, there are supplements that are, they're there to supplement your training. And, you know, I've done a lot of research into it. And at, at the end of the day, most of the stuff you don't need, everything you can get through, you know, just normal food. Um, Personally, I used to, the only supplement I take now is just, you know, one scoop of protein powder a day. And that's, I don't take anything else. I used to, you know, you see everyone, you see the magazines, the social media, all these sponsored athletes taking all these, you know, pills, multivitamins, powders, X, Y, Z. Um, and you think, if I want to look like that, I need to take these supplements. But they got like that before the supplements. And now they look like that. They're being paid to take supplements. Um, if you really want to look into it, I think you know the the, the most well researched supplement is creatine. So there's kind of you know some evidence behind creatine, um, some evidence behind whey protein. But apart from that, generally speaking, um, from my research, there's there's 
nothing that you can't really live without um, or, you know, you can't get from your diet. And even creatine and whey protein, you can get that all through your diet as well. So um, yeah, a, a well thought out, you know, a balanced diet can give you all the nutrition you need, all the energy you need, all the nutrients you need. Um, you know, there's, there's, to my knowledge, there's not been a massive crisis of, of protein deficiency disease, whatever that is called in the medical term. It's not something that really exists on a large scale. So people that do worry a lot about getting enough protein if they're training, you know, it's, it's not something we, as you said, most people are probably having more than they need anyway, because they're already thinking about along those lines. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of a myth out there. And I think this is why just bringing it back to that basic level, bringing it back to something that's not to do with, you know, uh, commercialism, aesthetics, and just making it really, really simple for people. Um, because I think, you know, having now, and it's interesting that I've taken a step from working with private you know, in a personal training setting, in a gym where people, you know, have a bit of expendable income. Of course, personal trainers aren't cheap um, and they come to you with a goal. And then, you know, working with people on, you know, similar to yourself now who, you know, on the NHS, you know, who are coming there with, you know, uh, other issues that are lifestyle issues, there are, you know, genetic issues, there are dis this disease, you know, it's trying to get those people to engage in that world. They're just two different worlds. They're very, very different. So it's you're not going to get someone who's never – the idea of being in a gym or the idea of working out or sweating or putting on, you know, you know workout gear is is just it's the last thing they're going to do. But they'll happily go for a walk. They'll happily – do some digging in their garden. They'll happily, you know, climb the stairs once in a while. And, and if we can get them doing more of those things and saying, look, you're going to get the benefits from these things as well. Um, and you know, it, it doesn't have to be framed in this way. I think it's, it, the, the better that will be. So, um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot out there. And I think that, and I think that's what confuses a lot of people. And I, when I've spoken to people, patients who come onto our program about exercise and physical activity, what, what stops you in the past? And it's like, oh, you know, it's all too confusing. And, I get intimidated when I go to gyms because you know everyone's looks a certain way or they're doing certain things, and it, it's very off-putting if you're if you're not if you're not into that world. I think that's the massive benefit with being a PT. The clients come to you, and they're already at that point of change. They've made the decision that you know they're ready to change. They're making the first step, usually by contacting the personal trainer. So your job then is to just you know hold their hand and take them on the journey. Whereas when you, again, look at the hospital setting and patients who've come in, you know, we refer patients to the, you know, exercise referral or dietitian referral. We tell the patients they need to go there. They're not making that choice actively some of the time, most of the time. So then, you know, it's arguably more work needs to be put in to motivate that patient to change and, you know, find out what motivates them. And that, that's the difficult part. I, that's the, I think that's the hardest part is making them or helping them take that first step, seeing, you know, getting them to want to change and helping them change. Because once, once they're in the gym with you, um, hopefully, or, you know, not necessarily the gym, once they're in that setting with you, you know, you can show them, you know, the way and the, the benefits of, of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just get it's getting it's getting to that point. And I think, yeah, when you're right, if someone's come to a gym, they're expecting they already have this expectation, I'm gonna be in this gym, this is what I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna be doing some kind of gym exercises. And you know, and I've had people who've come, they've been kind of been 
almost forced there or pushed there by you know, other people. Maybe, maybe that sometimes the doctor, oh, my doctor said, I really need to lose weight and I don't know any other way. So I'm just going to hire a personal trainer. And, and, and sometimes there's an expectation on us to be that magic bullet. And ultimately we're not, you know, as you said, as you quite rightly said, you like, we, we hold someone's hand to show them the way it's not, we're not doing the, we're not doing the reps. We're not, you know, I wish I could do the reps for my clients and they could get the benefits, that, you know, but that's not how it works. So, uh, I think there's definitely, uh, there's definitely that. And you mentioned you, once you got them there, we can, we can show them okay this is what we can do um so let's get into a little bit of that you know in terms of people that okay right i need to strength train i'm aware of this this is great i, I know there's a there's a lot of benefits there i don't really want to be going to a gym certainly right now um uh, and you know we, i just spoke before we started recording about my my experience in the gym um in the la- last week it's just completely changed you got to book your sessions you got to you know, have to wipe down everything i completely, I completely agree why, why this is all done but Having been working in gyms my whole life, I really have not enjoyed going to gyms uh, post COVID, just because that that time constraint and it just it just felt a little. Uh, it's just the whole vibe was different for me. But so for those that don't want to do that and don't want to get involved in that, what can they do? What can people do to to start strength training? You know, at home if if that's where they choose to do their their exercise. Yeah, so yeah, that's really good. People, you can strength train anywhere. If you, you know, have the right instruction or are creative enough or, you know, you're looking in the right places for the right resource and how to do it. Um, but I think, you know, this past year in lockdown has been a prime example of people training from home with minimal or no equipment. Um, if you look on, you know, YouTube or any social media, there's thousands of home workouts. And, you know, I think if you from kind of a doctor public health perspective any activity strength work that people are doing at home is beneficial um there's a time and place to dissect each person out there and see the information they're giving and whether it's accurate whether they're you know teaching people the best way or giving out false information um but that's you know a different conversation completely but just you know from a you know population level if you, you know, any video or guide that will get you active at home. So, you know, from the very base, like, you know, just anything body weight, push-ups, sit-ups, um, if you know, pull-up, pull-ups, you know, these are all things that, you, that can be done outside of the gym setting. Um, picking up a heavy book, putting it in a bag, doing some squats, walking up the stairs 10 times, anything that's, you know, putting a bit of resistance on your muscles is technically strength training. So, Yeah start at home if you don't feel com- comfortable going to the gym yeah i think body weight exercises i think are the, the number one when it comes to people who are not that interested in strength training or kind of want to do it a different way or not interested in the gym setting i just say look your your body's the biggest weight you're going to have to move around all day long so just start with that and you know there's a couple of examples you mentioned there you know i like the idea of putting in the book and just even just going putting a book in, sorry putting a book in a bag or something and even just going for a walk with a bit of extra weight you know um that can help going up and down stairs do that 10 times yeah you'll definitely feel that and your legs will definitely feel that at some stage as well you know sit to stand you know this is a very simple one people like to you know, say hey nothing wrong with sitting you can just try and stand up once in a while and hey why don't you while you're there just do that 10 or 15 times during the ad breaks you know while you're watching tv just get up out of a chair sit down get up sit down get up i mean that's effectively squats for people you know it, 
so then again you will feel that you'll notice the difference so uh, there's so much we could do you know using tins of beans using resistance bands um you know there's there's a there's a whole variety and and that's you know we're, we're kind of talking we are talking about formal exercise but again there's all those other things as well the gardening the digging the garden lifting heavy boxes and yes there's a technique element of course we don't want people to hurt themselves so you quite rightly said there is a another discussion to be had as to how you find you know good good advice and good information for those that are not sure i would start with the nhs's website i mean i don't know if you've been on it but i think it's phenomenal if you go on there and you look up physical activity there's some really good resources there on you know how to engage in strength training things you can do at home it's all free and then they'll probably there's probably links that can signpost you to other 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 resources um but there's there's lots out there that you can find uh, to engage in and uh, yeah they all will provide you that benefit of uh, of physical activity which we've which we've spoken about Definitely, yeah. I mean, the NHS website is uh, you know, a superb resource for, for anything, really, anything health-related. You can find it on there. Um, and yeah, they've got all those strength training programs. I think, you know, they might even be partnered with the Couch, Zero, the couch to 5K thing. You can yes. find that on their website now yeah. as well. Um, and I think it's aimed towards everybody. So, you know, any, anybody can really up, uptake the, the guidance on the NHS website. And just talking about doing it from home or, you know, being, you know, a person who's not really into going to the gym or don't feel quite ready to go to the gym, it's just fi finding a friend. Find find a friend who, you know, you can train with or exercise with who will keep you accountable, keep keep each other motivated. Um, I think that makes a huge difference. Um, training alone from the get-go is extremely difficult. Um, if, if, if you're an experienced exerciser then you can you know motivate yourself to train alone but at the beginning it, it it's tough so whether it's a friend or you know like even a pt or an exercise group um having people to keep you accountable is you know more than valuable yeah look i mean i'll be honest i wouldn't be sitting here talking to you as a as a personal trainer or even working this industry if, I, if my friend many you know years and years ago hadn't told me hey let's go down the gym i need i want to come with me and i was like oh yeah i was the guy i was like, okay yeah i'll go along and here i am you know so yeah i think that's a really good one for a lot of people just get someone else involved um, do something fun with someone else it just makes it more enjoyable breaks it up um and yeah you add in that social that social element so um yeah that's great um Talk, talk about tell us about um so what you're doing now you mentioned you know you've you've qualified as a as a pt um so are you now practicing working as a personal trainer as well as a, a doctor so your doctor is a, your junior doctor is your day job or mm. probably a little bit more than that depending on what i was <laughs> like um, um so tell us a bit about how how, how that fits in yeah, so um, I qualified at the start of this year um but you know with with my schedule just I, I recently moved on to outpatient psychiatry, which is nine to five, no nights, no weekends, a lot more free time. Um, prior to this, from December to the end of March, I was working on on the respiratory wards, so with COVID patients, doing nights, weekends, horrendous hours. And at that point, I, w I was qualified, but um, I, I don't know how I could have balanced training and work and, you know, keeping myself sane with my own hobbies that I need to uh, keep up as well. But, you know, at, at the moment, I am training uh, a small handful of clients. I don't think I could take on any more. But it's quite, um, 
interesting just to get a bit, a bit of experience and get myself more exposed to the whole field and learn how you know the practical side of things work and i think it is a business as well so learning how the business side of things work um is quite interesting to me um i'm actually going to take so from august my second year of work is finished and i'm actually taking a year out to do exams have a bit of chill out time and focus on this kind of personal training thing a bit more, take a bit more seriously um, and invest more um, time into it and see how I can really link up my background as a doctor with being a personal trainer and see how much of, you know, a difference I can make and see how fulfilling it, it really can be. It's great that you've, you've kind of found, it feels like you've, you're, kind of on this journey to find that you know we, we again it's cliche we talk about it all the time but purpose you know you're kind of looking for that what what is my so the, the medical side is one thing but your passion is really in this 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 fitness this strength training and and helping people in that way as well so bringing those two together there's certainly a lot of crossover we've spoken about it you know most of most of the early part of this session so um that's that's a great i mean it's a great place to be you know at such a young age to have found that uh, and whether you whether you know exactly what that thing is it's it may not be you know it's going to be i'm going to be the pt doctor but just going down that road and giving yourself that time to do that i think is great you know taking that year out um is going to give you that time and space it's a big step to make you know financially as well i'm sure that's going to play a part but uh, you know <laughs> yeah. it's gonna, it's going to be a fun journey it's gonna be a fun ride i'm, I'm excited for you yeah because you know i think that primary prevention is is the most important things you know stop people before they get sick and i think doing that you know in the community uh, is the most valuable place to do it once they get into hospital it's a bit too late so you know just seeing i, I don't know what my end career will be um some combination of doctor gp sports fitness lifestyle nutrition all merge into one end product but um I kind of like having the year off to experiment and, you know, a lot of medical professionals plan out their whole life. They know exactly what they want to do, what specialist, what specialty they want to be in. But I think, you know, this is a newish field in terms of, you know, the importance put upon it. So I'm, I'm keen to explore all, all the avenues. Yeah, it's a, it's an ever evolving it's an ever evolving field, as you said. It is very new, and I think you know it's great that you, you know, yeah. Look, and that's just, that structured path is great. People, you know, again, everyone different is different, wide a different way. But I think you can you kind of sense this. There's something here. There's something merging with with these worlds within health and wellness. You know, the fitness industry, the medical industry, the coaching industry, the holistic, you know, Ayurvedic medicine. All of this, all kind of coming together, isn't it? Mindfulness is coming into it. There's so many different. Uh, Sort of merges of cultures and science is getting better we can look at people's brains and find out what happens when they are mindful and all doing all these other things so i think you kind of sense that there's something happening here and and i definitely can be a part of it and yeah like i said even from this perspective i think it's exciting uh, i'm i'm I love talking to to medical professionals who are thinking outside of you know what you are taught in that medical school in that medical sort of education, which again I know is evolving. So I'm I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, so it's great that you yeah, as I said, you're just you're giving yourself that space and time. So I just wish you uh, all the best of luck. It's it's going to be exciting to see that that journey grow. Um, where can people find out what you're up to, what you're doing? Where where can people reach you? So at the moment, um, I guess the place I 
spend most of my time online is on Instagram. So my current thing is at thefitlife.doctor. Um, so that's where I kind of post most of my things. Um, I have a website, but that's kind of just separate for the PT things and nothing too interesting on there. But mainly Instagram is kind of where I'm trying to, you know, build up kind of my presence and um, see how much of an impact I can make. You know, the Fit Life Doctor. I urge you people to check it out. It's a great, it's a great site. That's how, that's how I discovered you anyway, uh, was, was through there. And uh, yeah, recently I'm, I'm really enjoying your, um, your and you, you know, you're putting a lot of people to, to shame in terms of working out, working out, you know, doing your strength training outdoors in the rain. I mean, come on, that's, <laughs> I was watching that the other day. I was like, oh my God, this guy's making me feel really bad because I, you know, <laughs> just going out for a right bike ride in the rain, you know, makes sense shivers down my spine. So um, yeah, go and check it out. You'll get lots of, great motivation uh, from from there as well and uh, uh, you can check out uh, joe's own uh, personal home gym that he's, he's set up there which is which is great um uh, joe thanks very much for, for your time this evening really really great talking to you um i wish you all the best of luck with your journey your, your goals and, and it's, it's really exciting i'm excited to sort of learn more about it and maybe we'll come back again and, and talk about it all, all someday thanks that was an absolute uh, pleasure talking to you and thank you for having me Thank you to this week's guests for their time and insights. It was a real pleasure speaking to them. All the social media and website links for today's guest can be found on the show notes page on our website, which is www.stayhole.co.uk forward slash SWP. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please share it with someone that you think might benefit from it. I would also be very grateful if you could visit Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and leave me a review. It will really help this information reach more and more people. Thank you. And if you're a health, fitness or wellness professional and you want to be a guest on the show or you have your own personal health and wellness journey that you want to share, then contact me via email. It's sunjay at stayhole.co.uk. That's S-U-N-J-A-Y at stayhole.co.uk you can get me on instagram or twitter it's at stayhole life or on facebook.com forward slash stayhole i would love to hear from you thank you to purple planet for all the music in this episode and as always thank you to you for listening i am forever grateful and remember to stay whole